please take your Bible and turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Monty kind of touched on it. There's about, he said, I think four. Uh, I think there's probably 400 messages in this passage that we're looking at today. Um, It's pretty incredible what God does in communicating his truth. Here's few words, but there's a constant flow of riches that come out as we study his word. And here's the problem. Typically, you and I, we read it and we go, oh, okay, move on. But you know what? What we're looking at here in this passage is praise, 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 and on. It's overflowing with praise. We've all seen it before. Little Johnny comes home from Disneyland. And he cannot stop talking about Disneyland. Talking about 90 miles an hour. Right? The first time in Disneyland. So excited. Or we could look at it this way. Shall we show my grandkids on the screen? And let me tell you about my grandchildren. Excitement, excitement, excitement. There's a lot of things that we get excited about. And being excited about Disneyland or your first week of school or a first a time of having your driver's license. Uh, I, I don't know. All sorts of things we can get excited about. But when we turn to Ephesians 1, we have uh, a disaster in English because the sentence uh, and the markings are, they're not there. It's just, he has run over sentences. Okay? And he just goes from chapter uh, chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, verses 3 through 14. He's just all excited. And by the way, You could look at this similarly in the book of Psalms. Open up a a psalm and read it normally. And then read it with exhilaration. (laughs) With exclamation. And read it in that way. See, looking at the printed page, we might not be all that excited And maybe that's because there's not much excitement in my heart or in yours. We need to let the Spirit of God well up within our hearts to give praise to His name for what He's done. So, what Paul is excited about is God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation. And Paul's written description of it is here in Ephesians 1. And really, all throughout the Bible, the distinction is given. And Jonah chapter 2 verse 9 tells us, salvation is of the Lord. That's one place amongst many that talk about the fact that salvation is of the Lord. And an overview, as you, you can follow along in your outline there, um, in your bulletin. The overview of Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 shows us God's plan, God the Father's plan of salvation, God the Son's purchase 
of salvation, his purchasing it. And then God, the Holy Spirit's pledge. Okay, that's that's the breakdown of chapter one, three through 14. Now, we're not going to be covering this whole section today. Next week, Brennan will pick it up with the the very next section. But today we want to look at chapter one, three through six. Follow along in your Bible as I read. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before Him. In love He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. And so, we have not only salvation is of the Lord in Jonah chapter 2, but we have salvation here in Ephesians. Salvation is of the triune God. Over in the Fellowship Hall, you heard about a triune God in the study this morning. And here, Paul is saying, salvation is of the triune God. God the Father, okay? And so regarding salvation, regarding, let's put it another way, regarding being right with God. Here's Paul's instruction. And we come to understand through this passage, number one, God is the designer of our salvation. Or we could say he's the originator. He's the originator of our salvation. Number one, letter A, he drew up the perfect plan. He drew up the perfect plan. Nothing, absolutely nothing surpasses the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. Nothing does. Do you understand that? There's nothing greater, nothing higher than the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's all sorts of news going on in the world, all sorts of stuff happening, but nothing surpasses the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ came to redeem. Christ came to rescue. Christ came to pay our ransom. Christ came to release us from our burden, to pardon us from our sin. Christ came to reconcile us back to the Father. He came to receive us to eternity. It was His idea, the perfect plan. So along with being the perfect plan, letter B, He delivered up the perfect person. The perfect person, God's own, his own, his only begotten son, the Messiah, the Christ, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He's the advocate, the mediator, the deliverer. He's the chief and good shepherd. He's the prince of peace. He's the gift of God. He's the spotless lamb of God. He's the captain of our our salvation. He's faithful and true. He's the great I am. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's Jesus, my Savior. Now, with someone that has those kind of descriptions, he's perfect. Now, he he was accepted. His, His sacrifice was accepted by God. And thus, when he rose up from the grave, that threw the gavel down, saying, there it is, it's done. 
and it was done for God's glory and for your redemption so that you and I might be saved. So because of Jesus, the salvation plan is absolutely and totally what? Sufficient. It's absolutely, totally sufficient. And this is why Paul calls him blessed. Blessed God. Blessed God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? So God's, God's the designer behind it all. Number two, God is the director of it all. Not just the designer, but he's directing it all. Or I like the idea of God's the orchestrator behind it all. He's the orchestrator of our salvation. Look at verses 3 through 5 now. We look at this whole passage together. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now from there, I believe that he opens up the examples of, of these blessings. Now the problem is, when you and I think blessing, predominantly we are thinking of earthly blessings. We're thinking of, 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 hey, I got it comfortable here. Or I've got it really nice and really cool here. You know? Um, all that kind of stuff. But it's very clear here that... <laughs> God hasn't blessed it. It's not regarding earthly blessings. It's regarding spiritual blessings. So letter 2A, he has blessed us. He is the source and the rule of all blessing. He's the fountainhead of all blessing. He's the true source of salvation. God the Father is. So here's some descriptions of these blessings. There's five that I've pulled out. You might find more. I'd encourage you to read the passage and look it over. But here's five descriptions of these blessings here. First one is profusely. Profusely. Meaning, he's blessed us with what? One blessing. Uh, You got your ticket to heaven. And there you go. You know, some people come and ask you, have you had the second blessing? Have you had a second blessing? And you know what you say? No, I have every blessing. I have every blessing. It's right there in Ephesians 1. I've got every blessing there is. It's mine for the taking, although I haven't figured them all out. I don't know if you and I, if you, if we all have or not, but I have them in Christ profusely. And he says that, um, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. They're spiritual. So there's no mention of earthly blessings. Okay? In the heavenlies. Meaning these blessings connect us with heaven. And what's, what's regarding heaven? Who's there? They belong. These blessings belong. They, and they come from heaven. And see, this is where we have the disconnect. Because I'm so used to the earthly blessings. And I say, oh, that really blessed me. And that's fine. I'm not trying to put that down at all. We need to recognize what's a blessing. You know, someone comes and shares a meal with you or whatever. That's a blessing, right? But he's talking about spiritual blessings that are in the heavenlies. Everyone, every one of them, they're ours in Christ. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 3. Write it down. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, To seek those things which are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things that are earth, on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Christian, your life, you've died and your life is hid with God. In, in Christ with God. That's where we need to be learning and growing in. Yep, you, you need to uh, do well on your job. You need to do well at home. But the Bible is giving us the key here and open it up and hear the riches that flow out. And we're going to talk about that as we head into our communion time, one of these things. So he's blessed us profusely. Secondly, he's blessed us perfectly. He's blessed you as a Christian. You are blessed perfectly because of Jesus. He's Jesus is the one and only agent. He's the one and only mediator by which you receive the blessings that he's talking about. Not only our mediator, but he's the treasure of all blessing. You come to know Jesus Christ through faith in him and all the all the, tre- the the whole treasure opens up. And we need to learn and grow in what he, what that is. He is our all in all. In him all the fullness of deity dwells. Colossians chapter 2. So, profusely, right? Perfectly and personally. Now, here we go. He's blessed us personally. Look at verse 4. Now, this is a this is a, a challenge to the majority of people. Verse 4. Just as he what does it say? Just as he it's him, he's the one just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And here's what a lot of people do. I, I already mentioned the word disconnect. A lot of people disconnect right at this point. Ah, I thought I chose him. I thought I accepted him. I thought I came to faith in him. And now you're messing my system up, Swenson. Whoa. And, you know, a lot of times we could be like Martin Luther that just did the disconnect on the book of James. Hey, just don't worry about it. It's not there. Why don't we do that with Ephesians 1? Let's just pass on and move on so we can say, ah, I mean, I, I figured it out. Did you figure it out that we needed to be saved? I'm, I'm saying this because there's a, there's a problem within the church. A lot of churches end up thinking that it's about them. And we're, what we're seeing in Ephesians 1 is it's about God. And that's what we need to highlight. Literally, this verse, verse 4, says, He chose us out. He selected us. And the tense is the aorist tense in the Greek. Past tense. Okay? Never to be repealed. It's a once-for-all action. Okay? And it's in the middle voice. Aorist, middle Verb. Middle meaning that God did it 
for himself. He did it for himself. The father choose, uh, chose the heirs of salvation. He chose them to be redeemed. Chose them so to be in Christ. Providing Christ as our holiness and our blamelessness. And that's what he's saying here in verse 4. Just as he chose him before the foundation of the world, there's the purpose that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. And many times in the New Testament, it says that Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our redemption. Okay? It's because of him. And so therefore, your position, remember we talked about that last week? Here's your position in Christ. It's blameless. It's holy. You are accepted by God because of Christ. So, we are quick all too quick to take credit for coming to salvation, that I came, that I accepted Him. But more more importantly, it's about that He drew me and that He called me. We are too prone to neglect passages like this and we don't even check out, what did Jesus say about it? Mark these references down. John chapter 6, verse 37 All that the Father gives me shall come to me. All that the Father gives me shall come to me. And him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. Did you hear that? Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. John 10, verse 16 is another one. All And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice... And they shall be one fold and one shepherd. Or there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Then later on in John chapter 10, verse 26 and 27, he says, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And then John 15, John 15, verse 16, Jesus says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you and ordained that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. Now, let's connect it with the Old Testament real quickly. If you're taking notes, jot down Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 6 and 8. And there, here's God's explanation to the people of Israel. Look, I chose you. You didn't choose me. And you know why he did that? Deuteronomy 7, verses 6 through 8 says, in essence, that God did it because of his love for them. It wasn't because they were of a great number. It wasn't because they looked so good. But he chose them. And really, he chose them for his glory in the world that he created so that people would see, supposed to see a difference. Now, Paul carries on this truth. He, he's obviously picked it up. It's not that he, he dreamed it up. Paul didn't dream this up. He picked it up from Jesus. He picked it up from the Old Testament. Here it is, the people of Israel. And he carries on with this truth. Now, some Christians do. They refute the idea of election. They reject it or they ignore it or they neglect it. 
But you as a Christian, if you're letting the Bible speak to you in its entirety, you know, the whole counsel of God, if you're doing that, then you're saying, yeah, God chose me. He chose me. Maybe initially uncomfortable, but no matter what, it's God's truth. There it is in Ephesians 1. And it can still seem like a contradiction, like it doesn't make sense. But remember, the same Bible that teaches sovereign election of God, of His saints, (laughs) is the same Bible that teaches your responsibility to what? Your responsibility to what? To respond to the message. Okay? Now, this is the call that's given for on the human responsibility side. The call is given in the Bible. Whosoever will may come, correct? You follow me? Okay? Whosoever will may come. So you don't sit back and say, say, you know, I, um, you know, God's not called me. Can't do that. Because at the same time, the Bible is saying, whosoever will may come. Many commentators mention this. They talk about it. They dive into it. They say that here's one of the, the ways they talk about it. Those who turn and repent and they respond in faith to Jesus... Upon reaching heaven, over the gates, over the doors, as they walk through and go into glory, into into heaven, it says, whosoever will may come. But as they get inside and they walk on back, you know, on in, you can turn around and see what? On the inside, chosen before the foundation of the world. Okay. D.L. Moody. D.L. Moody said this. The whosoever will are the elect. And the whosoever won'ts are the non-elect. Charles Spurgeon said it this way. It's like a, a train track. And the two rails run beside one another. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility. They run parallel, but they never meet. They never come together. You can't make sense out of them. (laughs) But you need both of them. You need both of them. For the train to run right and for the gospel to work. God's sovereignty. It's God's idea. It's God's design. And He's the orchestrator behind it. Okay, that's under personally, even as he chose us and predestined us. And the idea of predestined is God planned it out ahead of time. (laughs) He planned it out ahead of time. And I love this. This is given by one of the authors that I have a book on his uh, study on Ephesians. His name is Stan Jantz. And he said it like this. God, listen to this. God didn't look at the world one day and say, Hey, I think I'll put my plan into action now. Sounds good. See, God doesn't work that way. Randomly. God had a plan. And God loved us and chose us before the foundation of the world. If there's anyone here 
that can explain that in detail with, with, with sense and make sense of it, you know, great. Talk to me afterwards. I still don't quite get it. Do you? And yeah, we can come up with, you know, contrary ideas, contrary stuff to it. But that doesn't take it out of the Bible. It's in the Bible. You're going to say God's wrong? He's not wrong. So we simply come to understand if God is God, let's start there. If God is God, then God is perfect, right? If God is God, God is infinitely wise. Because if he's not, he's not God. If God is God, he's almighty. He is sovereign. And this is the story behind his salvation. You're chosen. You're, it, he, he predestined us. And notice that we move on to the next one. Permanently, the blessing, it's permanent, permanently to adoption as sons through Jesus to himself. Okay? He adopted us. Adoption implies a new standing. Under Roman law, an adopted child became a new person receiving all the rights and privileges of the new family. And by the way, all the debts or the association of the debts were eliminated in being adopted into the new family. What a blessing that my, my sin debt was wiped out because of Jesus. He paid the debt. He paid the penalty. And now, not only am I pardoned, but I'm adopted into his family as sons. All because of Jesus. Then, the blessings are purposefully. Purposefully, according to the kind intention of his will. Leaving no room for boasting on our part. It was according to his kind intention. Okay? The all-gracious work and motive of God in His love and in His mercy. Okay, so you follow, I'll, I'll repeat these. He has blessed us profusely, perfectly, personally, permanently, and purposefully. I guess one of the things we could do this week is Say, okay, I want to rejoice in that. I want to stand on that. I want to live in that way. So, back to the text here in Ephesians 1. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless. And by the way, that's not just a position, but that's the practice of the believer. You've got this position of being holy and blameless in Christ because of His righteousness. And now you walk in that way also. Your life is conformed in that way and transformed in that way for a holy life in, in Him. Okay? So, those are the blessings that we, you know, describe. And point number three, we move on and it, and it's dealing with verse 6. Let's look at it. That he did this according to the kind intention of his will. In verse 6, 
to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So point number three is that God is the discourse and the delight of our praise. God is the discourse. It's what we talk about. (laughs) Here's what we talk about (laughs) is what he's done, how he's working in our lives. And he's the delight of our praise. Psalm 37, mark it down. Psalm 37, verse 30 says, The mouth of the righteous utters wisdom, and his tongue speaks justice. The law of God is in his heart. His steps do not slip. Psalm 16, verse 1. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you. I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good besides thee. You know, when you you say a, a, a sentence like that, you, you make a statement like that. I have no good besides thee. You're recognizing your own condition and recognizing what he's done in bringing delight into your life, bringing satisfaction in your life, bringing purpose into your life. Okay? So, letter uh, 3A. There's no one who is so deserving of our praise. There's no one so worthy of our worship. And again, we can add in all sorts of references from the book of Psalms. One in particular is Psalm 103, verses 1 through 6. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and what? And all that is within me, bless His holy name. You think this is just about a, a, a psalmist that's you know doing the cheerleading thing? Hey, isn't that cool? And it's kind of shallow. You think that's what it is? No, because of the treasure that's in Christ, the treasure that's in God. He's the longing of your heart, my friend. And some of you are rejecting that. And you're rejecting it by your lifestyle. No one is perfect here. No one, not one. But what's the direction of your life? Where are you headed? Do you recognize your own sinful condition? That's what Christ came to do. And He's the one that is so deserving of our praise. Then letter B under number three. There's no one who has graced us so richly. No one who has graced us so richly. Psalm 31 again. Psalm 31 verse 19. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you. I've often commented to people, um, like I've done it on Facebook, and they are, um, you know, friends of mine, they're celebrating something. And I'll say sometimes, not every time, but I'll say sometimes to them, your cup runneth over. And all that is, is taking it from Psalm 23. Psalm 23, we're saying this to Jesus. He's the one that has blessed us. He's the one. It's not in someone else. It's not in something else. It's not in something in this life. It's in Jesus. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know what? Christian, if this is something that is, uh, is new to you, where you're hearing that this is God's, salvation is God's design. He chose you. He orchestrated that. He chose you and, and you and I are to delight in Him. If this is new to you, you need to be reading the Word and growing in the things of the Word more and more and more. And just like we started the message out with, you know, little Johnny going to Disneyland or, you know, grandpa bragging about grandkids. You know, we're excited. Well, are you excited about your, your walk with the Lord? Is there excitement in your life at all about walking with Him? I know. I know many people that are worn out and burdened. Christians. You're worn out and burdened. And I'm not just trying to say, I'm going to be the the cheerleader and pump you up. You need to spend time with Jesus. The reason why you're down is, the reason I get down, I'm not spending time with Jesus. He's the author of our salvation. He's the captain of of our salvation. And he's the one that's brought about. Here's this joy. What does Nehemiah say? Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is what? My strength. Now. I want you to remember. This comes all the way. Here's the, the issue. And the subject of salvation. If you're not right with God, if you have not come to faith in Jesus, you're not right with God. You must be born again. You must be saved. You must be standing in His righteousness. That's your position. And then following it with your practice, your practice in life, to say, I want to obey Him because I love Him. Not because, oh, i got to... Prove that I'm good enough for Him. That's already been decided. (laughs) You're depraved. You needed a Savior. (laughs) Okay? And so, Christian, let's rejoice in learning and growing in this faith. And let's rejoice in the One who's made it possible. You know... Adoption, some of you know about adoption, okay? You, you know about it. adoption. What a, what a blessing to read about what God has done through Jesus to bring about your adoption. And He loves you. He loves you. And you and I are not worthy of that. We're not worthy to receive that. So, really folks, the best response is, let's learn to love the Lord. And be able to spring forth with praise for this blessed God who brought about your salvation. He orchestrated it. Now, 
Let's consider these things as we go to our communion time. I said earlier that God is the source, the fountainhead of all blessing. You with me on that? Okay. So in preparation for communion. Let's go ahead, just bow your head, close your eyes and listen to this. Remember that God is the the fountainhead of all blessing. And think of this as we prepare our hearts for communion. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. Lose all their guilty stains. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Dear dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Ere since by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Folks, <laughs> this is a part of the blessing of God, the eternal, the heavenly blessing of God that He provided this fountain, a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. I'd like the men to come up who are serving right now. Please, if you would come and join me.